Welcome to checking out the competition, Anaheim Ducks. And I have to say, you guys, I'm like actually super looking forward to this conversation because the Anaheim Ducks, or as I like to still refer to them, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, are in a bit of a bad way, to put it mildly. And uh, our pal CJ Woodling from Anaheim Calling is uh, worked up about it. So I'm super psyched to hear what he has to say about his team. It's going to be fun, I think. Oh, you guys are in for a treat today. Usually everyone's like so calm and level-headed. I'm ready for you to like throw something at the laptop, <laughs> say a lot of bad words. I think it's going to be fun. Okay, so I'm going to get right into it. And before we get into game-specific things, I want to talk about the Ducks globally because there's a lot going on with them. Um, first, Randy Carlisle. Like, for, like the first, I don't understand how he keeps getting jobs. But the thing about him that is really remarkable is that he always seems to hold on to them for way longer than he ought to. And that seems to be a thing that is happening with Anaheim right now. Why do you think he is just so sticky and never goes away? Well, aside from the dirty pictures he probably has of management with multiple different organizations, <laughs> um, he's the type of guy, I think a lot of this really, number one, has to do with the fact that he's got a cup. Um, he's, he's got a cup in 2007 with the ducks. He did have a, a, a system that was relatively effective back then in the era of kind of heavy, slow grinding cycle based hockey. Obviously we all know that that is not a system that really works in today's NHL anymore. Um, but keep in mind as well, he's also had elite shooting talent and amazing goaltending for almost all of his career, at least with Anaheim anyway. Mm -hmm. With Anaheim, he had uh, J.S. Shiger, he had Timu Solani um, in, uh, uh, before he was fired and then coming back. Um, he had uh, Corey Perry, the breakout of Ricard Raquel, John Gibson. Um, he's, he's had goaltending and um, some elite shooting talent that have masked a lot of other issues as far as straight record goes. So yeah. I think that right there, more than anything, it, it really kind of allows them to continue to have jobs. Um, and, and his friendship with Bob Murray as well, general manager of the Anaheim Ducks, goes a long way towards that also. Um, the fact of the matter, so here's something that not everybody knows. As soon as Randy Carlisle was fired in Toronto, he immediately came back to the Ducks and scouted for them for oh. about a year and a half, two years before Boudreaux was fired and he came hmm. back in. So he was already immediately involved again. But here's the even bigger thing. It's been reported that Carlisle has a guaranteed front office job with the Ducks once he stops coaching. And yeah. we're, we don't have official confirmation on this, but we think that may be written into his contract. Um, and we're wondering, and again, no official confirmation on this, that if he is fired from that contract, we're wondering if that stipulation for working in the front office goes away. That may be part of what's at play here. Mm. God, the hockey men really are something, aren't they? They... they they really are. You get in that group and you're set for life forever. Like I'm just waiting for Pete Shirelli to get another job because he's totally going to. And it's like, uh, these guys. Uh, how dare you put that note in the world, Kelly? They <laughs> <laughs> just take care of each other. And like you said, he won a Stanley Cup. You do that one time and that's it. You're a genius forever. It doesn't matter that you're just like destroying teams everywhere that you go since that happened. But exactly. I'm going to jump around a little bit. Okay. Um. And when we, so when we spoke back in October for the first Ducks 
Flyers game out in Anaheim. Um, we neither of us really knew, I think, how our teams were going to end up this year. It was a lot of guessing back in October. Um, it was like the first couple of games of the season. Who knew what was going to happen? I think I was still super optimistic at that point. So <laughs> it was yeah. a weird time. <laughs> yeah. So I think I, I remember asking you if you thought that one more push for the cup with this core that you guys have that's aging, Corey Perry, Ryan Getzlaff, um, if that was going to be a thing that was possible and if this was the last year that they could really do it. Now, obviously, things aren't going that well. However, things don't seem to be going well for anybody in the Western Conference this year. And even with as bad as things have been for you guys, you're still, when I checked yesterday, it was three points out of the second wild card spot, um, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. It's, I mean, it's cool, but also crazy. Do you think there's any chance that they sneak in? And if they do, do you think there's any chance they make noise? There is a less than 1% chance that they sneak in based solely on the fact of their recent stretch of play. Since there's, uh, during this latest losing streak in which they've lost six in a row, the Ducks have been outscored by about four and a half goals per game on average. So basically, they're not just losing, they're getting blown out on a night-to-night basis. They, they got shut out by the Ottawa Senators um, uh, the other night who give up the most goals per game on average in the NHL. Add to that as well that John Gibson went down with an injury. His own teammate basically uh, took his knee into a collision into John Gibson's head. And Kevin Boyle, the main uh, goaltender down in San Diego, has been called up. So for the time being, with Ryan Miller still injured, the goaltending tandem for Anaheim is Chad Johnson as the starter with Kevin Boyle as the backup. Basically, there's and, and Gibson hadn't even been playing nearly as well as he was to begin the season. So there's almost no chance that they're going to make the playoffs. And in fact, last we checked through um, uh, the, the analytics site Money Puck, the Ducks currently have the third uh, best odds for the number one overall pick right now, even with about four or five teams below them. So, I mean, that would be cool. Right. That would be great. We've we have fully embraced the lose for who lose for Husing. Or um, uh, if we don't get the first pick, we've also had the hashtag um, play crapo for capo. Yeah. So we've also had that. So either one of them would be fantastic. Oh, that would be super fun. <laughs> um, so to talk about the future of the Ducks a little bit, um, I was reading the Ducks portion of the Athletic to get ready for this a bit. And I saw an article that LeBron was kind of talking about the upcoming free agent class and what he thought might happen with a bunch of these guys. Um, you guys have a really good player that's going UFA, Jacob Silverberg. And he LeBron, LeBron said in the article that there had been some talks, but no real progress made. Do you think that he is going to come back? I can tell you that most of us, at least at Anaheim Calling and a good section of the fan base, don't want him back. Not because he's a bad player. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's very difficult to find a Ducks fan who doesn't like Selferberg. Selferberg is a great two-way player, very defensively responsible, which is extremely needed with Randy Carlisle hockey. Um, and he'll chip in. You know, he's a 20-25 goal a year uh, type of player. He's, he's a very good player, and we've really liked him, and he's given us some good years in Anaheim. The problem is is that when the Ducks are playing as bad as they are with the core aging like they are, um, with this big transition that the Ducks are in, re-signing Selferberg, who's 29 years old and I believe will be 30 come this offseason, 
is not the way that this organization needs to go. In all likelihood, Silverberg will probably be making on the open market, making at minimum probably five and a half million dollars a year. And for somebody heading into his 30s who gives you about 20 to 25 goals a game where the Ducks are the uh, dead last in the NHL for goal scoring. Um, he's the type of player that you could, that we've got probably four or five different offensive prospects who can project out to, um, match his production potentially and his role on the team on ELCs or on restricted free agent contracts. So re-signing Selferberg in our view would be a very, very poor asset management mm-hmm. based on Bob Murray. If they want to compete and most of us believe that Bob Murray would like the ducks to compete as soon as uh, next season, you need to get assets now for him, especially draft picks. Um, so if they signed him and moved out a ton of money through other major trades, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, but given the fact that his production is, is very likely replaceable for much cheaper as we go, as the ducks go younger and faster, mm-hmm. um, hanging on to him likely wouldn't be a good situation. However, given LeBron's recent reports and given the way that Bob Murray has historically operated with these types of free agents, I will say we won't be surprised if he resigns him. I honestly think it's kind of a 50-50 shot right now. So it's interesting to me that you say that Murray is going to want this team to be competitive as soon as next year because um, one of the questions that I had kind of looking at the roster, like you said, they're all getting older. They're not super fast. Um, And you're saying that you guys at Anaheim Calling think that the team should be pushing younger, which is obviously a good strategy, I think. Um, do you see Murray kind of going full scale, blow it up and rebuild? Or do you think he's kind of going to try to do the Ron Hextall half in, half out retool while kind of rebuilding sort of thing that, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he would, would, would go the Ron Hextall route mostly yeah. because there are, uh, several young guys who have already gotten a taste of NHL action this year, um, who likely will be ready to uh, have effective full-time roles this next season, uh, namely Troy Terry. Troy Terry is, uh, I believe he's second in the entire AHL for scoring right now, despite uh, missing like the first eight or nine games of the season. Um, Corey Pronman of The Athletic recently said that Troy Terry, I believe, and and I believe he said Troy Terry was the best AHL player he's ever seen play. Oh, wow. Um, he is, uh, and and I've been down to San Diego a few times to, to, to watch the goals, who, by the way, are the hottest team in the AHL and are so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, believe it or not, Dallas Aikens is coaching that team out of his mind um, right now. So um, uh, they are so good down there. Um, so Troy Terry should be ready for uh, full-time action next season. Sam Steele will likely be brought up. Maxime Comtois uh, showed uh, he was the Ducks' leading scorer before being uh, sent back to juniors uh, mm-hmm. earlier this season. He'll probably be ready. We've also got a young defenseman in Josh Mahura who's ready to cut up. Jakob Larson who's ready to go full-time. Um, none of these guys, I would say, as of right now, are projected to be totally like game-breaking prospects, somebody like an Elias Patterson mm-hmm. um, or something like that. But they are players who project to have good long careers and be pretty productive for Anaheim for years to come. Um, so with that, and with the fact that Ryan Getzloff 
he's been struggling lately, but he's still Ryan Getzloff and he's still the team leader in points. Um, and, and the fact that we've got some shooting talent like Ricard Raquel, Andre Kasha, um, this is definitely a team that I think can compete. I wouldn't put them up next season if all these players come up and they perform to their the best of their abilities. Um, I don't necessarily believe that Anaheim is a like top tier cup contender. I wouldn't put them at like Tampa level or anything like that. Yeah. But I believe they're a team that can definitely make the playoffs and can make some noise at least within the first few rounds. Okay. So you sort of answered my next question already um, in which I try to like galaxy brain the Ducks front office. Um, and <laughs> That's the only way you can do it now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of those things where sometimes I wonder like when things are going so badly and you can very clearly point to the coach and say, this guy is doing a bad job, objectively bad but he doesn't get fired, which makes me think in my head, like maybe they're just like, well, this season's lost anyway. Maybe we should just tank it all the way. Yeah. And I actually, so as I was mentioning before we started this, I actually wrote an article on this that <laughs> was published earlier today on Anaheim calling. And a, a lot of us, uh, we really at Anaheim calling have embraced the whole tank thing right now. You could see, we actually were quoted on a, a, an NBC sports article the other day that, you know, we're kind of like your, we're, we're taking care of all the tanking tweets that you might need for, for Anaheim. Um, you should see our timeline is basically filled with uh, tank gifts. We've recently moved over into fish tanks. I posted a picture of Maroon 5 at this Adam Levine at the Super Bowl in his tank top. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so we're kind of embracing it because to be completely honest with the lack of a game breaking prospect that Anaheim has right now, Hughes mm -hmm. or Kako would, you know, turn this franchise around instantly. Yeah. Um, so they're the type of uh, team that we believe that, Hey, tanking at this point, given where they are and given the state of this franchise is probably a good thing. And a lot of us have accepted that. And if that's the case, then a lot of us are, we wouldn't say happy about keeping Randy Carlisle, but we're okay with it because we know he's not going to be able to take this team anywhere. Where we're pissed and, and where a lot of fans are pissed is that there has been exactly zero communication from the front office as to this is what is happening. Last season was a very similar season for the Ducks in that um, they were injured heavily early on. John Gibson sold them a ton of games. And then as they started to get healthier, um, uh, they started winning a lot more. And when the trade deadline came, but they were winning, but they weren't playing well while yeah. winning. They were just barely scraping by, again, Gibson winning them a lot of games and Miller winning them a lot of games. And what ended up happening was they got to the trade deadline and the only moves that Bob Murray made were signing Chris Kelly off the Canada Olympic team and trading for Jason Chimera. And that was it. And he straight up said, we're not a competitive team. Hmm. So a few of us had like, you know, questions. We were like, okay, well, if you don't believe we're a competitive team, why didn't you sell off some assets yeah. that had some value here and, you know, kind of get back here? Um, the Ducks are obviously in a much worse situation now, but given what happened last year and given Bob Murray's like extreme reluctance to make major trades, he's only made in his, he's been general manager of the Anaheim Ducks since 2009. Mm -hmm. And he's made a grand total of two major trades during oh. that time, the Ryan Kessler trade and the Bobby Ryan trade, the Bobby Ryan trade, I thought was a pretty good trade. The Ryan Kessler trade, he only won that trade because Kessler only had like two teams that he would go to. And we were one of them. Yeah. Um, so we just don't have a whole lot of faith 
that he is actually going to blow the team up like we think he should, or at least partially blow it up to rebuild and to get the assets needed to move forward because he has been patient to a fault. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, It's worked out a lot of the time, but it's also been very bad, um, uh, especially for the team's future prospects. So um, we really just don't know what to think, but we just want some sort of communication as to what the plan is. Um, I use the example of um, Luke Robitaille, the president of the Kings, sending out a message to season ticket holders after trading Jake Muzzin saying, hey, this is the first of a difficult but necessary step to getting back into contention. Our results have been unacceptable. Thank you for supporting us all season long. The New York Rangers last year doing a very similar thing at least letting them in the know that, hey, you know, you don't have to say, yo, we suck, we're tanking, lose for Hughes. You don't have to put that, but you can PR spin on it and say, hey, we don't like where we're at, but we think we have some good assets. We're going to sell some assets. We're going to get back into contention as soon as possible. Thank you so much for supporting us. If they did that, I think the rest of the season, even if they lose every single game for the rest of the season, may be forgiven. It's been the complete lack of communication and understanding of what they're doing and why they're putting it out is such a horrible product on the ice for fans to watch without any sort of direction that I think uh, everybody's frustrated about. Yeah, I can, I can totally see that. There was, there was some of that in Philly at the start of this year. Um, Both Dave Hextall and Ron Hextall were not very chatty gentlemen. So you never really knew what was going to happen or, what they were trying to do. It was just kind of guessing. And when, like you said, when the product is so bad and they're not doing anything and they're not telling you why they're not doing anything, it's like, okay, what are we doing here? It's like, it's hard to get like emotionally invested when you have no idea what these people are trying to do. And it's Mm -hmm. terrible at the time. So, and there's an interesting little like uh, add on to this, that Anaheim is in a small market as most Mm -hmm. of us know. Um, And as such, they don't necessarily get the national coverage that other places like, you know, so they're a small market and they're, they're like, they play like seventh or eighth fiddle to like the billion sports teams that we have over here in LA, um, in the LA area. And so the Ducks have prided themselves on operating in a media bubble with like nobody really has consistently held their feet to the fire. Mm. Um, Anaheim calling really has been the only outlet that has consistently called them out. If we felt we'd need to call them out over the years. Now, obviously we're not a huge blog or anything like that. So what we do can only make limited ripples. Um, the athletic coming here and Eric Stevens of the athletic beat reporter, who is absolutely tremendous beat reporter. If you don't follow him, you're interested in duck stuff. He's amazing. Um, he, once he would jump from the OC register to the athletic, he got a lot more creative freedom and started mm-hmm. roasting them a little bit when they yeah. needed to um what's been really interesting seeing all of this and i'm hoping is pressuring them to make a statement is that again the ducks have operated in media bubble they've kept things close to the chest they've denied us statements uh and i'm calling statements and press passes and stuff like that but now national media has taken notice of everything and is questioning why haven't you fired carlisle what are they doing what is happening why does murray even have a job some are starting to question that media bubble has started to pop and it's gonna and i don't think anaheim's experienced that in a long time so it's going to be interesting to see what happens as this goes along oh that'll be fun to watch yeah i'm excited yeah way outside it'll be fun to watch um all right let's get into game stuff a little bit so what what's the timeline on john gibson is he going to be out for a while or? 
We don't know. Um, we're, it, it did look like that he had uh, contact to the head yesterday, yeah. so we're hoping it's just very precautionary. Um, I think John Gibson right now, he is second in games played in the NHL and third in total ice time. Um, at this point, given where the Ducks are and the fact that given his recent play, and especially just with the fact that the Ducks defense, I, it appears to have completely broken John Gibson down. Yeah. We believe that, honestly, I don't think any of us would be mad if he was completely shut down for the rest of the season. I don't think that would happen, assuming his injury isn't too significant. Hopefully it's not, um, in which case we would expect Chad Johnson to get a lot of starts. Ryan Miller is close to getting back. Give Ryan Miller starts. I would say maybe go 50-50. Yeah. Um, on their on their starts would probably be the best thing because at this point there's really no reason in trying to have him save the season. Um, so as of right now, though, we don't have a timeline. Hopefully it's just day-to-day, -day, but um, hopefully we'll find out more soon. Yeah, I was going to ask you um, if you thought that Gibby had dropped off at all. But I reading, I read up a bunch of the post-game stuff that you guys have done on Anaheim Calling. It seems pretty clear that it's not him. It's the whole team in front of him that's kind of making it impossible for him to be good. Yeah, it, it really what it is is, yeah, Gibby hasn't been very good. Like, he's definitely hasn't played very well. Mm -hmm. um, but really, it seems to be the reason he's not playing well is because of his defense and the team in front of him just completely letting down and just getting him shelled night in, night out. Uh, night in and night out. We just think he buckled under the workload, unfortunately. I mean, yeah, the, they sometimes coaches tend to ask a lot of goaltenders workload-wise, and I think we forget that they're human beings. Yeah. Feeling. yeah. The last time I had checked um, as well, uh, Gibson was leading uh, the NHL in uh, shots faced, and he, uh, second place was like a full 200 shots behind him or something. Oh, wow. um, it was like an unbelievable uh, gap. Wow. Okay, so... Like you said earlier, you guys are in a bit of a, a losing streak, um, and the losses have been pretty bad. Um, who was it that put up nine on you guys the other day? Uh, Winnipeg. Winnipeg, yeah. I mean, they're they're really good, so yeah. what are you going to do? Um, but one thing that I wanted to know is if there were any players through this losing streak who have been impressive, have been a bright spot, Somebody that when the team is playing bad, they like we had Scott Lawton during our dark days at the start of the season. He was pretty much the only guy who seemed to be going at 100 percent. And you really noticed it. Um, is there anybody like that on the Ducks right now? Yeah, there's actually a couple of guys. And uh, one of them wasn't on the team uh, at the start of the season. And uh, the other one was a guy that a good portion of the fan base hated. <laughs> um, the, two of the best performers right now during this losing streak. and. I'm going to disclaimer here, best performer is a pretty low bar with this team. <laughs> yeah. But uh, compared to the other players, Daniel Sprong and Nick Ritchie, in my opinion, have been two of the most impressive players. They are two of the few players, and I would argue along with Silverberg as well. Silverberg hasn't put up as many points, but um, uh, specifically Sprong and Ritchie have looked like two of the only people who don't look like necessarily that they've had their confidence shaken. The yeah. thing with watching this Ducks team is that they look terrible, but they look like they've given up. They look like a team that has no confidence. It's not necessarily a matter of them not trying. It's, it just looks like they're completely numb night in, night out. Daniel Sprung and Nick Ritchie don't really look like that for mm -hmm. the most part. They look like they're busting it out. They're, they're giving it their all. Um, 
And uh, um, they, they've had a couple – they had a great play yesterday. They're playing on the same line. They're being centered by Adam Henrique right now. And there was a great play the other night where Richie, who isn't necessarily the fastest skater, basically got a good first step on the defense on a turnover in the defensive zone. Sprung picked up the fucking fu- – uh, picked up the puck. My goodness, that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> I knew we would get the one in. That's okay. <laughs> um, Sprung picked up the puck. And he fired a perfect pass that split the defense up to Nick Ritchie, who got in on a partial break. Um, Something from those and seeing those two do that, especially Nick Ritchie get in on a breakaway is not something that if you watch the Ducks, you see every day. Um, And so seeing those types of plays, seeing Daniel Sprung, who is really kind of cast aside by the Penguins, um, thrive in a role with the Ducks. Uh, Sprong is on a, a, a 30 plus goal full season pace with Anaheim, which has been desperately needed. Um, so seeing those two seem to take the next step in their development and find some comfort at Anaheim are, are very good, uh, bright spots that, that we like to see and bode well, I think for the future. Cool. Any flyers you're looking forward to seeing? Um, I, I've mentioned it before, but, uh, I, I've always been interested to kind of see how Nolan Patrick has followed up on his, um, on his, uh, sophomore or on his uh, freshman season. I, uh, I watched the game the other day where he wanted an overtime for, for them, where he just got the puck roofed it. That was beautiful. I did let out a little bit of a cheer for you guys, which was great. Um, so there was that I'm really interested in, uh, seeing how Wayne Simmons, is kind of performing amidst all the trade rumors with him and whether or not he's going to get shipped out or not. Do you think he's going to get shipped out? It's, it's so weird because a lot of the talk recently has been that um, there's some kind of worry that the locker room will go into some kind of revolt. Like what happened in St. Louis last year. Um, Mm -hmm. If they trade Simmons, if they're still in a playoff position, which somehow we are right now, um, If they trade him, then it'll they'll get all pissed off. But I don't I don't know if I buy that. Um, I think that's a little silly. These are professional grownups. Yeah. Um, but it, it would just be foolish to keep him, and unless you really thought we were going to go on a deep playoff run, and you just wanted to have him around for that, and then let him walk after. Okay, but I just don't think that's going to happen. So I think it would be irresponsible not to trade. Sounds him. like your version of Sulfurberg almost. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's like. You know, it would probably be for the best for Simmons, too, because if he's traded, it's likely going to be to a team that needs some depth scoring for a playoff run. And maybe he'll get real deep and maybe he could even win a cup. It would be cool for him. I like the guy. He's awesome. But I just he just doesn't have a spot here anymore. So yeah. why get some assets for him while you can't. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. So yeah. I've always definitely been interested in players who, uh, especially given you know intense trade rumors and uh, coming up on 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 contract year, really seeing how they perform in the few games leading up to uh, the, the trade deadline to see like, hey, you know, where do they currently stand? Where where is their mental aspect right now? So it should be really interesting to to, to watch him play. Okay, and the last thing that I'm going to ask you is to give me a shot in the dark game prediction for how you think this one might go. Oh boy. Um, what, uh, you guys are what on a nine game point streak? Nine game point streak. The win streak has was snapped. Died, yeah. Thanks to the Kings. I'm actually glad about that. Uh, <laughs> not because, not because I don't like you guys. I actually do have a soft spot for Philadelphia, but mostly because I don't want the Kings to get the number one overall pick. I want it over them. So I'm glad they won. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, uh, um, uh, oh, by the way, I don't know if you've heard and uh, um, feel free to cut this if you if you can't do this. But um, uh, Robin from Jewels of the Crown and mm -hmm. I have a, um, and I believe Scott Malta from Eyes on the Prize. Uh, we, we've determined that the, uh, the when the Ducks and the Kings play each other, it's going to be the jack off. <laughs> that is hilarious. I'm absolutely not cutting that out. That's too. Funny. All right, cool. So we're, we're going for we're we're going for the jack off. So um, in the interest of that, uh, and given the fact that you guys are so hot right now, and uh, the fact that uh, Carter Hart is uh, probably panning out even better than I I would uh, guess you guys would imagine, given your historical goaltending issues. Um, welcome to the world of having a good goaltender. Isn't it fantastic? It's wild, right? <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. You kind um, of like walk a little taller. You sit up straight. Everything feels a little bit better because you got a good goaltender on your hockey team. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so my my prediction for tomorrow, given the fact that the Ducks couldn't score on the worst defensive team in the NHL and got shut out by Anders Nilsson um, uh, last time, who did not look good, I I think this is going to be a. a pretty easy win for Philadelphia. I'm going to go ahead and I'm not going to predict a shutout, but I'm going to go ahead and predict a 5-1 victory for Philadelphia. Oh, 5-1. Yep. That's, that's Hey, we're losing by four and a half goals on average per game, so That's true. Um so I in the back of my mind I think to myself there's no team better at snapping an opposing team's losing streak than the Philadelphia Flyers. It's like the, <laughs> the one thing you can almost always guarantee. If a team rolls in on a losing streak, they're going to get their win in Philadelphia. But this ridiculously dumb team is finding ways to win games they have absolutely no business even being in. Like they're like you were saying with the Ducks, they're playing they're not playing very good hockey. Um, the underlying numbers aren't very good. They look pretty sloppy most of the time, but they're still finding ways to win, which is just infuriating because I don't know where this was <laughs> like November. But yeah, I'm going to say, I'm not going to go as hard as you, but I'm going to say three to one. Okay. Three to one, I'm going to say. Uh, I, I, that is acceptable. That okay. is acceptable. I'm glad you think so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we've gotten everything in. We've learned a lot about the Anaheim Ducks today, which I think is cool. Thanks to CJ Woodling of Anaheim Calling. Be sure to check them out. They actually do a lot of good work. And you're great on Twitter, so give CJ a follow. Um, thanks for joining us. Go Flyers. Bye. Yay, we're done.